We're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 35. Just a reminder, last week we covered verses 32 through 34 where Jesus told the disciples for the third time that he was going to go into Jerusalem and he would be betrayed and eventually crucified and raised from the dead. And uh, so what we're reading now, verse 35, immediately follows that. If you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God today. And we're going to begin reading again in verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, James and John said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all, shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten, this is the twelve minus James and John who made this uh, uh, plea, this request, and when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles, talking about the secular world, those who are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to speak on this subject this morning, serving like the Master. And let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you again for your word. What a blessed time it's been this morning already just to acknowledge your goodness, to thank you for your blessings, to honor you for who you are, to praise you for your holiness, and to remember all, Lord Jesus, that you left to come here to ransom us, to redeem us. We're grateful for it. Now, please bless again. Help us to be attentive to the Word of God, to receive it into our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to look at this request today that James and John made of Jesus. I think the timing of the request is worth uh, 
pondering for just a moment. Matthew records this same conversation. We'll not turn to it now as Mark did. But both writers seem to indicate that this, this um, conversation that we just read took place just on the heels of Jesus saying in verses uh, 33 and 34 what he was about to go through for us. Imagine this conversation. If it happened just like that. Where Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to know, and they're facing Jerusalem, they're going toward Jerusalem, there's no denying where they're headed, and they didn't want to go as we talked last week because uh, it, it presented certain dangers because of the animosity toward Jesus among the religious rulers. But Jesus determined to go forward, and he says, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to have all these things happen to me, and for them on the heels of that to say, James and John to come with this request, could we, could we have the special place on the right and the left hand in your kingdom? Matthew in, includes a very interesting detail not included by Mark, and that is that their mother was with them. Imagine this, grown men, disciples of the Lord, and your mama comes along to ask Jesus to give you a special place in his kingdom. Now, what is it they wanted? Look in verse 35. This is a, the last part of verse 35 would, would be really humorous if it wasn't so serious, but I'm going to read it in, the, in our Bible, verse 35. Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us Whatsoever we shall desire. That's an interesting request. We want you to do for us whatever we want you to do. Kind of an open carte blanche, a blank check. It's almost like when your kid would come to you and said, um, I'm going to ask you for something. Would you tell me right now that you'll give it to me before I ask you? <laughs> that would not be a wise to answer without knowing what it's about. But they're asking this question. I wonder sometimes, and this may not always be true, certainly, but it may be true sometimes, that we're the same sort of way. We want God to do for us whatever we want. Whatever we, want. we want God to bless whatever it is that we might want. It might be a better request to say, Lord, we want what you want for us. We want what's, what you think is best for us. And so Jesus asked them to define what they were interested in. He knew, but he wanted them to say it. Verse 36, what would ye that I should do for you? What do you, what do you have in mind? In verse 37, they give him this request. Grant us, just James and John with their mother, grant us that in your kingdom, one of us will be able to sit on the right hand and one of us will be sitting on the left these are positions of prominence, positions of importance to be on the right and the left hand of the king, Jesus Christ. And I don't, who knows what all they're thinking, right? The Bible doesn't give us all that information. It would be speculating to say we know. But, but why would these two men, James and John, think they deserved such preferential treatment? Uh, as to make this request. Now, they, they love the Lord. They faithfully serve the Lord. They've been following him for years. They wanted to serve in his kingdom. 
But they, it's like they got, it's almost like, in my mind, they got there first. They wanted to get their request in first. They didn't discuss this among the 12. They went without telling the 12. They had talked about it, obviously. They went and they presented their request. And I think as we look at this, and I think you'll see this more clearly as we move along, that's really not all that unnatural a tendency the desire to be promoted, the desire to be recognized, the desire to be seen as superior. And before we move into the rest of the message, I want to just kind of think about this for a moment because self-promotion is really very common to exalt ourselves. I want to read a passage from Proverbs that addresses this. Please listen as I read. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king. And stand not in the place of great men. Don't promote yourself in the presence of the king. For better it is to be said unto thee, come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. You'd be better off to just wait and let the king say, why don't you come up here next to me than for the king to have to say, you know, there's someone I want to sit in that chair. Why don't you go have a different seat? If, if all this kind of sounds familiar to something you've read in the Gospels, it's because there is something similar to that. And hold your place here in Mark chapter 10 and go to the right, if you would, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And here... Jesus is addressing um, the attitude of some of the Pharisees, chief Pharisees, and um, he, he, he says similar words. Look in Luke chapter 14 and verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms saying unto them. So he's watching them. He's watching the Pharisees. There were places that were considered for more important, prestigious people, other places for those not as important. And, and he's watching how they manipulate. It's like your children, when you're about to leave, running out the door saying, shotgun. <laughs> that doesn't mean arm yourself. It means I want the front seat. I want to sit in the front seat. Jesus is watching this taking place. Verse 8, he says, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee or invited thee, and him come and say to thee, Give this man place. Don't take the higher road, the, the most important seat, because someone may displace you, give this man place, and now begin with shame to take the lowest room. So here's, here's the lesson, young people. Always go for the back seat. And maybe mom or dad will say, why don't you come up here and sit by me, okay? Verse 10, but when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. 
Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with me. In other words, they will recognize it. They will honor, see that you're being honored. Verse 11 sums it up. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So here James and John are. We're back in Mark chapter 10. Here James and John are saying, could we have these very special, important places? And what Jesus is going to teach them is that humility precedes honor. And so how did Jesus respond to them? Look in verse 38. We're in Mark chapter 10 and verse 38. Jesus said, you know not what you ask. You don't really understand what you're asking about. Can ye, talking to James and John, can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, if you're not familiar with some of the language there, you may wonder what he's talking about to be to drink of the cup that he would drink or be baptized with his baptism. I'm not talking about water baptism. It's not talking about the cup of the Lord's Supper. What he's saying is, we'll look at this in a moment, what he's saying is, are you willing to go through what I'm about to go through? Are you willing to go through the humility that I'm going to go through that one day I will serve in the future kingdom? And Jesus would drink, he talked about this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus would drink the cup of sacrifice and death. And... In another place, in Luke's gospel, he says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. Jesus would be immersed. Baptized is to immerse something, submerge it. Jesus Jesus said, I'm not just going to suffer a little bit. I will be baptized in agony. I will be submersed, submerged in pain. I'm going to go through, and I'm going to drink the bitter cup of sacrifice for you. And he says, are you willing to do that and notice what it says in verse 38 verse 39 excuse me and they said unto him we can we can now there are a lot of things that these men did not know or understand but they they knew this they knew they loved him they knew they wanted to please him and I believe that they were willing in their mind to go as far as they needed to go but we what they don't know is that just no matter of days from this when the sh- when the shepherd was smitten the sheep would be scattered they weren't as committed as they thought they might be but notice what Jesus said to them in verse 39 and they said unto him we can and Jesus said unto them notice these words ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I'm baptized with all shall you be baptized he says And I don't know, I'm certain, I have to be certain they couldn't understand what that meant. But Jesus knew what it meant. They would sacrifice greatly. They would pour out their life for his name's sake and for the gospel. As a matter of fact, James, of these two brothers, James and John, James would be the first disciple, the first apostle martyred. Hold your finger here in Mark. And go with me quickly to Acts chapter 12, and we'll just read this to give you the reference. I, 
I'd like for us to look in the Bible for ourselves and see what the Bible says. But in Acts chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king, Acts chapter 12, this is after the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension of our Lord. Trouble is around them in Jerusalem. In verse 1, it says, Now about that that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church in a very simple statement. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Here's James and John. He killed James. He was beheaded. Can we sit with you on your right hand and on your left? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'll be baptized with? And James and John says, We are able. We are willing. And Jesus said, you shall indeed. They would give the ultimate sacrifice of their lives for the cause of Christ. John, James's brother, was the last person who would die, the last of the apostles. James was the first one to die by beheading. John was exiled, was persecuted, was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus told them, you are going to do, you are going to take the cup and be baptized with the same baptism. But then notice what he said in verse 40. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. I can't give you that promotion that you're wanting. Matthew, when he records this, Matthew said, it's given to them, and here's the quote, for whom it is prepared of my Father. Jesus said, my Father's going to make that decision. He's going to determine where we serve, where you serve in his kingdom. And uh, so, even after all of this, after all this conversation, uh, Jesus said, "I I can't promise you that. Verse 41, a reminder of how the ten, the other ten, responded when the ten heard it. They began to be much displeased, much displeased with James and John. This conversation was very upsetting to the rest of the apostles. Matthew says they were moved with indignation. That means they were some kind of angry about that. It it appears that James and John went alone with their mother, but not without the other apostles, went to Jesus seeking to be the first one to put their request in for a seat at the right and the left hand, the seat of honor in the kingdom. But by doing that, in a sense, they're sort of depreciating the sacrifice and the service and the value of the other ten. So Jesus, as he so frequently did, Jesus takes this conversation and makes a teaching moment out of it, a teaching opportunity, and that brings us to verse 42. But Jesus called them to him. I believe he called all 12 of them to him and saith unto them, let me, let me just, I'm going to give you a lesson about authority, about the difference in the secular mentality and the, the mentality of the kingdom of God Jesus said to them, you know that they which are accounted to rule, these are the rulers over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them. They lord over them. 
and their great ones exercise authority upon them. This is the, this is the secular world. He says, this is the, and, and by the way, they were under this Roman uh, dominance, the Roman kingdom. They could see it lived out before them. People who had authority, people, you know, would tell them what to do. And Jesus said, that's how it works in the secular world. But verse 43, but so shall it not be among you. That's not the way it works in my kingdom. Here's the way it works in my kingdom, verse 43. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. So Jesus is giving them and giving us a reminder about how the kingdom of God is so different than the kingdoms of this world. He said, it's not this way in my kingdom. Those who are great among you will be your servant. James and John wanted a place of importance. They, surely they wanted a place where they can tell other people what to do. But Jesus said, and I hope you'll hear this today. Jesus said, in my kingdom, the greatest among you will be your minister. The word there is diakonos. And most of you would know that that's often used like a person who is a waiter a table waiter, and someone who runs errands, someone, the, the greatest among you will be your servant. You want to be in charge of people, but he says if you're going to be in place of leadership, you have to be a servant. You have to be willing to serve. In verse 44, it says, whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. He used the word minister in 43 and servant in 44. It's a different word in the Greek where it's translated. The first word, as I said, minister is translated from the word diakonos, a waiter. But servant is a translation of the word doulos. Doulos is a bondman. The word we would use is a slave. He said, if you're going to be great, whoever will be great among you will be your minister whosoever will be the chiefest shall be the 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 bondman the servant of all now jesus is not just telling them how it should be for the 12 he's telling us how it is in his kingdom for all of us this this is a lesson for all of us young people this is a lesson for all of us not to be looking for a place of superiority not looking for a place of place of authority but looking for a place to serve we want to be servants this is this is a call to make serving others a life decision there's something about our flesh that prefers not to serve sometimes at least some of us have that kind of a depraved nature. I think all of us do. And one of the lessons that's in this is because they're asking about ruling and, and Jesus will rule. Jesus is the king. Jesus will reign as king. But now he's presenting himself as really the servant of all servants. Serving precedes ruling. If you would just take a mental inventory today of different people you know in the Bible, famous people like Moses. Moses was one of the greatest leaders of all time. But Moses spent 40 years 
serving, watching over his father-in-law's flocks. Joseph was the great leader that guided Pharaoh and the Egyptians through a time of great famine, but before he led, he was a servant to his father and a servant in the prison where he was, a servant to others. Serving precedes ruling. Think about Elisha, the great miracle worker, but the Bible says Elisha, you know, poured water on the hands of Elijah. These were great servants. Joshua, who was a servant to Moses, became a tremendous leader among the nation of Israel, but first he was a servant before he was a leader. David was an outstanding king and leader of the kingdom of Israel. But before that, he was a shepherd who faithfully served his father. And he was taken, the Bible says, from serving and watching over sheep to be given the responsibility to lead people in the will of God. See, listen, the greatest preparation for leading is serving. It's a lesson about this is a lesson Jesus teaching. James and John, in the presence of the others, it's a lesson about humility. It's a lesson about serving people. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that about this time in this conversation, James and John are feeling pretty, pretty lowly. Why did we say such a thing? Why did we do such a thing? You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, before honor is humility. The more important matter for James and John and for us is not will we be in places of importance and honor. The more pertinent matter is we'll be willing to humble ourselves and serve others. And that brings us to verse 45. As he gives them this lesson, he presents himself as the example. For even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said, look at the way I've lived my life. You've been around me for these three years plus. I didn't come to this earth to be important. I didn't come to this earth. He, as we heard in the song earlier, he made this world. He made the stars. He made the earth. He made the dirt. He didn't, he didn't bring any of that power with him. He didn't bring any of that honor with him. He didn't, listen, he didn't bring any of that prestige with him. He left it all to humble himself and to become a servant. He modeled this lifestyle. Please hold your finger there in Mark chapter 10 if you would. And I want to go to Philippians for just a moment. First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. In this great passage in Philippians chapter 2 that describes this example, the greatest example of serving. I'm just going to read through some of these verses beginning in verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a congregation in Philippi. And he says in verse 3, and I hope you're looking at this and you'll take this to heart, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Don't do anything for vain glory, for recognition, 
But in, look in verse 3, but in lowliness of mind, humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. Always put other people before yourself. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And here's the, here's the tie-in to Jesus in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the mindset that Jesus had, who being, it says in verse 6, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be made equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him, Jesus did, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, put on human flesh, looked like an ordinary man, but being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul writing to this church says, we need to think like Jesus thought. We need to have this same mindset. And by the way, it's a mindset that has to be developed. It's not our human nature to serve others. It's our human nature to want to be served. We're sinful, selfish people at our core as far as our, as our human nature is concerned. But he says we ought to develop this attitude of humility and, and lowliness of mind. Not, not exalting ourselves, not thinking about how important we are, but in lowliness of mind. And he uses Jesus, Paul did, as, an, as the example. He didn't, Paul, Paul didn't use himself as the example. He used Jesus as the example. He was equal with God. He was equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He came and humbled himself. He, he made himself a servant. Look in verse 7, he took upon him the form of a servant. It was a choice he made. And by the way, the choice is ours. The choice is ours. If we're truly going to be servants, it takes humility. It takes the absence of pride. It takes the removal of strife or vain glory. A lot of damage is done in families and relationships and churches because of that vain glory. I'll tell you, this, this is a level of humility that is off the charts. And just a matter of days from where James and John asked this question and Jesus is giving them this teaching in just a matter of days in a private setting in an upper room, Jesus is going to take a basin of water and one by one, he's going to wash the feet of his disciples. The lowest place of servitude, a foot-washing servant. And Jesus is going to do that before them. And after Jesus did that, I read it again this morning just to refresh my mind. In John chapter 13, Jesus said in that context, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done unto you. 
I've given you that example of a servant. And he said in that context, the servant is not greater than his Lord. You're no better than me, he said. I'm, I'm, I'm washing people's feet. You're not, you're not better than I am. The servant is not better than his Lord. And then he makes a remarkable statement in John 13. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You know, serving is not just what we do. It's the attitude in which we do it. Back to our text in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, gentlemen, I didn't come. I didn't come to be important. I came to give everything. I came to give give my life. A ransom is the price that's paid for the release of a slave. It's the ransom. Jesus paid the ransom. It is so unlike Jesus. When we, and I put myself in that, it's so unlike Jesus when we think mainly of ourselves. When we're not thinking of others. Jesus never drew attention to himself. Jesus never acted like a victim. Jesus just went about doing good. Serving people. And why did he do that? He came to set those free who were bound in sin. He paid the price for our redemption. He paid paid the price for our salvation. We couldn't free ourselves. But we can be free through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything we've done, not because of our ability or our goodness, but because of what Jesus did. He frees us from sin's bondage. But listen, he doesn't just free us from sin's bondage that we could just live for ourselves. He frees us from sin's bondage that we might serve him and serve others. In serving him, we we serve others. I'll tell you, sin is a cruel taskmaster. But Jesus is a gracious, loving master for our lives. When I, when I think about this, I think about a passage in the book of Exodus, and we won't turn to it today, but Moses is being given judgments regarding Hebrew servants. And it's, it's just spelled out in the first part of Exodus 21. And he said this, basically, I'll, I'll summarize quickly for you. Moses wrote, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he's going to serve you for six years. But at the end of six years, you're to release him. You're to free him. If that servant came to you as a single person, he came to you by himself, then you free him by himself. If he came to you with a wife, you free him and his wife to go with him. But listen carefully, please. But then it says this, and I'm going to read this verbatim. If the servant 
that is free to go. He's paid his time. He's spent his six years serving. If the servant shall say, I love my master. I love my master. My wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then Moses says, you take him to a doorpost and you drill a hole in his ear that he might serve his master forever. He says, I don't want to leave. I love my master. I want to serve him forever. And I want to tell you today, when Jesus Christ sets us free from sin, we ought to love him enough that we want to serve him forever. Some people just don't want a master. Even those who profess to be saved, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you today, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're to be servants of Jesus Christ. Not because the preacher says we have to, not because our mom and dad says we have to, but because we love him so much, because of what he's done for us, we want to serve him with our life. Now right now today, Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father in heaven. And one day, he will come back to this earth. And he will reign as king in his earthly kingdom. And everybody will honor him. We didn't read all this down to Philippians chapter 2, but if we continued on where it says that he obeyed unto death, went to the cross, it says that God hath given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess to the glory of God. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But prior to that ruling, he humbled himself as a servant. And in that kingdom, as James and John, I believe, were expecting and well aware of, in that kingdom, we will serve with him. We, we don't deserve to serve with him. We don't deserve to serve him now. So I want to conclude by making two very important applications for every person in this room. I include every person in this room. We need to take a long look at what Jesus did for us. The price he paid for our salvation. It's in my mind, it's of my mind that when a person looks with a lack of interest, a lack of love, a lack of appreciation for what Jesus has done, they've never really gotten a good idea of what Jesus has done. Because when you see what he's done for you, you ought to want to know him. I want to know somebody that loved me that much. And if you're not saved, he wants to save you. And, and, and please, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. Maybe nobody thinks this way, but I don't know how I thought before I got saved. Before I, This was one of my big problems as a teenager. That's why eventually when I got old enough that mama couldn't make me go to church anymore, I quit going. You know why? Because I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm free to make my own decisions. But God in his grace opened my eyes. And I'm telling you, I wanted somebody running my life. And I've not always been every, the kind of Christian I should be, but I'm telling you, I'm glad Jesus is my Lord and my Master. Amen. 
And if you don't have that mentality, something's wrong in your heart, in your mind. You ought to come to Christ and say, I want him in my life. I want this great lover of my soul in my life. And if you are a Christian, and most people in this room truly, I know, have been born again. To be like Jesus is to be a servant. To be a servant. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Do you love your master? Do you want to serve him forever? Let's bow our heads together for a moment. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Perhaps there's those here today, a young person or an adult. You don't really know that you know Jesus Christ. You don't know that you've been born again. You're not, you're not sure that you've ever truly been saved. Today, wouldn't you like to come to Christ? Don't you want to know him? Wouldn't you? like to be forgiven of your sins. And you say, well, how do I do that? You must personally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not about being baptized or joining a church. It's about putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you have never done that today, but you want to, you can do that right where you sit. It's not just about having a mental sin or saying a prayer. It's about believing on Jesus Christ for your salvation. Most people need some guidance. They need some help. We're here to help you. I'm going to be standing right at the front. You could come. Just slip out and come up here at the front and say, Preacher, I, I need to get this matter settled. You come and somebody will help you. If you're today and you are saved, would you do a little gut check today and ask yourself, Am I serving the Lord? Am I really serving the Lord? the way he wants me to serve him. Our Father, we're so, so amazed at you. We're amazed at your son. We're amazed at the humility, the servitude, and ashamed when we're not willing to serve when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Lord Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us when, like James and John, we're more interested in a place of prominence than a place of service. Work in our hearts.